You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we need to be men and women of prayer. We need to be men and women who go to God in prayer. We need that. You want to be used by God? Be a man or a woman of prayer. Be a man or a woman of prayer. What's one of the reasons why we gather every Sunday night for prayer? We gather for prayer because we get strength from prayer. We get renewed processes from prayer. We get the things that God wants us to have so that we can complete the ministry that He's called us to do by prayer. Have you ever wondered what the purpose of prayer is? If the Lord knows what you will ask for and He provides all you need, then why ask? In today's lesson with Pastor Dave, he explains prayer gives you power. It strengthens you to do the things you've been called to do. It guides and illuminates your way. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 16 as he begins his message. And in that day... We are continuing on in the Gospel of John, specifically we will be in John 16, and we will be looking at verses 23 through 28. During this section, chapters 13, 14, 15, and now 16, it's been Jesus doing much of the talking. Jesus has been discussing and he's been laying upon the disciples so many things. He's been making their heads spin and he's really been speaking and he's going to continue to speak. In fact, as we get to chapter 17, we come into this beautiful prayer of Jesus. Right now we are still in the midst of his, it's called the upper room discourse. It started with the supper. As they ended the supper, it continues as they make their way from the upper room, through the streets of Jerusalem, out the east gate, down the Kidron Valley, across the brook Kidron, up to the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is what's happening. All of this is taking place at this time. Jesus has an enormous amount of things he wants to tell the disciples. But they're keyed on one thing. He's leaving and they're staying. So that's the one thing that they're keyed in on. But he constantly is trying to tell them. Today he's going to encourage them even more. And he's going to make several promises to them that we'll look at. John 16, 23. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in a figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I leave the world and go to the Father. So I guess my first question to you is, have you ever had a question that you wanted to ask the Lord? 
Have you ever been reading something and went, I don't understand that, Lord. What do you mean? What, what's going on? Have you ever had a question that you might want to know the answer to? And I love it when people say, well, when I get to the Lord, I'm going to ask him a few things. I'm going to ask him a few questions. I love when they say that because that's probably not going to be the case. But if you have many questions that need to be answered, or maybe you had some that needed to be answered before you accepted the Lord, you're in good company. You're in really good company because the disciples asked Jesus from time to time many different sorts of questions. The disciples were questioners. They wanted to know. They were inquiring minds. They wanted to know. But some of their questions were kind of different. Like I said, they were of all sorts. They asked Ignorant questions. Ignorant means without knowledge. In chapter 9, in Gospel of John, verse 2, they asked Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Well, this was an ignorant question because they were without knowledge. They asked ambitious questions. Constantly asking ambitious questions in Matthew 18.1. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which one of us is the greatest? This was very ambitious on their part. They asked distrustful questions. See, we have left everything to follow you. What do we have? What's going to happen to us? And they even asked disrespectful questions at the end of the Gospel of John. In chapter 21, Peter looks at Jesus after he's being restored by Jesus. He looks at John and says, well, what about him? That's a disrespectful question because Jesus is dealing with you, Peter, not with John. And then, of course, they ask curious questions. We find that in Acts 1, verse 6. Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So they're curious. So they ask many questions. But as we come to today's verses, Jesus is going to give the disciples promises and several promises. He's going to promise of comfort regarding the questions that they might have. He's going to give them promises concerning an answered prayer. And he's going to give them promises that... From now on, he's going to speak plainly to them. He's going to speak clearly to them. So the first promise is found in verse 23a. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Period. In that day, you will ask me nothing. What day was Jesus referring to? What day was he referring to at this time? I believe... Jesus is referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit, which he promised over and over and over again. And in hindsight, and in hindsight, we see that Jesus kept his promise. He told them that their sorrow would be turned into joy. Remember last week we studied that? He said, your sorrow will be turned into joy when you see me again. And surely enough, after the resurrection, they were elated. They were just elated because they had seen the risen Savior, they had seen their Lord again, and they were with him one more time, and this made their hearts soar with joy, soar with gladness, because Jesus was with them. When he rose from the dead, he did it because he said he would do it. And then as they were standing on the mountain, they watched him. Can you imagine this? The disciples are gathered on a mountain with, with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... He starts to rise up to heaven. And they're standing there watching him, and he's rising up to the Father, and he's going up. He's going up just as he told him he would. I'm going back to the Father, and he's going up there. And they're sitting there, and their mouths must have hit the floor. Actually, it probably was dirt, but their, their mouths dropped as they watched the Lord. 
And then two guys standing there said, what are you looking at that? What are you looking up there for? This same Jesus who's going up will return. And all oh, their hearts soared with gladness. Their hearts soared with joy because they knew that he would again keep a promise. He would ever be faithful to his promise. And then they waited. They obeyed Jesus and they waited in that upper room. They waited and they prayed. And they were of one accord, the scripture says. And they prayed. And God sent the Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Holy Spirit just like Jesus said he would. He sent the Holy Spirit. And then something happened. Something happened that day to the disciples in that day. Something happened to them. When the Holy Spirit fell upon them in the upper room, they no longer had any questions. They no longer had any questions. Everything was answered in their hearts. Everything. Why? Because the day the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, they were now under divine guidance. They were under truly divine guidance. They did not need to ask Jesus anything. He told them, you need to go directly to the Father. What a gift. What a gift. We'll talk about that in a minute. When these disciples needed help in their ministry, and you can read about it all through Acts, when these disciples needed help in their ministry, especially when they needed help understanding God and his ways, all they had to do, Jesus says, is ask the Father, and that he would give them this information via the Holy Spirit, who would lead them into all truth. Ask. Jesus had told them that the Spirit would take what is Jesus's and the Father's and declare it to them. Jesus is now seeking to direct the, the thoughts of the disciples to the attention of the Father. From now on, it's the Father that they should look to, to answer all their questions, not Him. Because the Father supplies all the things they need, and they're readily available for them. Look at 23b and 24. Most assuredly, now this takes place of the King James, verily, verily. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Look at the reason you're supposed to ask, that your joy will remain full. Ask, and he will give it to you. You know, up until this time, the Lord Jesus had been their source of everything, their source of understanding, their source of learning. He had provided for all their needs up until this time. When they had a question, they went to Jesus. When they needed anything, they looked to him. But now Jesus was telling them something different, that he will no longer be him who they come to. Instead, they're now giving permission to go directly to the Father through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say this several times, and this is how we should pray. We should pray to the Father by the Spirit, in the name of Jesus. This is how we are to pray. And this is what Jesus is telling them. Now, for those of you Greek scholars out there, there are two words here that are used for the word ask. And they're kind of interchangeable, and they're used throughout the whole passage that we're studying here. The first one in 23a, you will ask me nothing, is erotheo, which means to request. To simple requesting. The second one in 23b, whatever you ask of the Father, is ahetheo. It means to beg. It means to crave. It means to desire. It means to require. They're interchangeable, but you can see the difference. He says, you've asked me nothing. In other words, you've requested nothing from me. But now, most assuredly, 
You're going to ask the Father in my name. And that ask, you're going to beg the Father. You're going to request the Father. You're going to say, you're going to say request. You're going to crave or desire. And the Father will give it to you. Excuse me, back in verse 19, Jesus knew that the disciples wanted to ask him a question. Look at it, it says in 19. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. He knew that they desired to ask him. He assured them that a day would come. And that day would come extremely soon when they would ask, not ask him any questions. There would be no need. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would be upon them. The Holy Spirit would lead them into truth. The Holy Spirit would lead them to the Father. And they would pray or ask the Father, and he would meet all their needs. So Jesus is telling them, this is a great privilege. This is a great responsibility. This is a great promise of prayer. Praying directly to the Father. Directly to him. The Father. A great promise. Folks, this is a promise that we need to desperately believe. We need to take this promise into our hearts. The Bible is full of promises. The Bible is full of promises that are there. We need to claim those promises. We need to say, yeah, that's my promise. And Jesus is saying here, you can go directly to the Father. You can go directly to the Father and you ask in my name. The promise says God will hear your prayers and do whatever you ask, or theo, in Jesus' name. One commentator said this, quote, The promise may be seen as inclusive of other things, just as the wisdom and understanding that comes from God. But, insofar as it is, it is directed towards the fulfillment of the disciples' ministry. In other words, there is no blanket promise that anything the Christian asks for, whatever he wants, will be granted to him. There goes my Mercedes. That's not the purpose of what he's saying. He's not saying to ask in that vein. Don't ask selfishly. He's not saying don't ask in that vein. Ask so that you can serve God. Ask so that you can be a witness. Ask so that you can carry the truth, the gospel message to others around you. Ask that. Ask that in Jesus' name. Ask those things. And that's what he's saying here. It's, it's to fulfill your service. I'll show you what happens and how that looks like. And I love this verse, and we've seen it many times. But you've know, you got to go back to the verses that really tell the true story. In Acts 4, in Acts 4, you remember the story. The disciples, have, basically Peter and John, have been arrested for healing the lame man at the gate beautiful. And they've been arrested. They've been before the Sanhedrin. And they've been challenged and not to preach in this name anymore. Don't preach in the name of Jesus any longer. Don't do it. And they, they basically threatened them with, with bodily harm. Well, they get back to the gang. They're all sitting around in one accord. And what do they pray for? They pray for boldness so they can teach in the name of Jesus. They pray for boldness so they can go out and teach in the name of Jesus. And this is what he's talking about. And that boldness, they continue to carry that throughout. They continue to do that. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise. It's a great privilege that we have of prayer. A promise that your joy is going to be fulfilled. How is your joy fulfilled? By sharing God's word. By sharing God's love with one another, your joy is fulfilled. It's joyous when we share God's love. Now, Jesus spoke about prayer many times in his ministry. He even set an example in his own prayer life. Every single morning, the scripture would say, he would get up and go off to be with the Father alone and pray to the Father so that he would be energized for that day and get his strength so he could do the things he wants to do. He was a man of prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we need to be men and women of prayer. 
We need to be men and women who go to God in prayer. We need that. You want to be used by God? Be a man or woman of prayer. Be a man or woman of prayer. What's one of the reasons why we gather every Sunday night for prayer? We gather for prayer because we get strength from prayer. We get renewed processes from prayer. We get the things that God wants us to have so that we can complete the ministry that he's called us to do by prayer. And so we meet on Sunday nights. These disciples were dedicated people. They were dedicated men. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had given up everything. Their only thought and their only purpose was to fill his will, to fulfill his great commission by going forth and preaching the gospel. That's what, what they wanted to do. We've been given the same call. We've been given the exact same call as they. The promise of Jesus that he makes to them is in that light. But when we take these words and apply them to our own selfish needs or want, Lord, I really want that Winnebago. I really want that long, long RV. I want that so I can travel around the United States. Oh, I'll preach the gospel. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll preach the gospel. When we say with selfish wants and selfish needs, we do a disservice to what's being said here. We make light of his promise. Now, please, if you're sitting there and you have a great big beautiful RV or a boat or whatever, I'm not coming against you. Don't leave it. Well, he sucked against me because I have an RV. No, I'm not coming against you. I think it's great. Praise God that he would give you something like that. I think it's wonderful. But you get what I'm trying to say. I hope you get what I'm trying to say. Lord, I know that bank has a lot of money. I need it. No, that's not what we're talking about here. You get what I'm trying to say. I hope, anyhow. If not, come up. I'll try to explain it later. So. so Jesus is promising these guys that they will no longer need to ask him questions. He promises that their prayers will be answered when they pray to the Father in his name. Let's go to 25 through 27. He says, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father in that day. You will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Jesus promises that they will be able to understand him when he speaks because he's no longer to speak in figurative languages. Now, if you have the original King James, it says parables. He will no longer speak in these things. What's happening here is Jesus is looking at things through the disciples' eyes. He's been talking to them now for a very, very long time, all through dinner, all through the walk down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they're probably sitting there like, they got that look in their eye. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? Have you ever been talked to somebody and you're trying to explain something to them and they're giving you the, uh, like, what the heck are you saying, you know? Well, I think that's what the disciples are giving Jesus. They're like, oh, what? So he, he, he's trying to see it from what his view. He's trying to see it from their view. And what he's told them is nothing more than a mystery. It's not a fact that he's plainly spoken. It's been so new and so revolutionary that they're not able to grasp it. But they will. But they will. He says, you may be puzzled now, but one day soon, one day soon, everything will be made plain to you. And we see this as we read through the Acts and we read through the various epistles and we read through where they see these things and they go, Jesus said this would happen and it happened. And, oh, I understand this now. 
We see those things. So we, we know that, that they understand that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will illuminate their minds to the truth. The Holy Spirit will illuminate their minds to what Jesus has said, and they'll bring forth to his mind. I mean, even John, when he was writing this gospel, when John wrote the gospel, he goes back and he adds certain things. Remember in John 7, when Jesus talked about the living water, the torrents of living water? Well, 30 some odd years later, John knew what it meant then, and he wrote, Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Though John knew what it meant, it had been revealed to him. But right now, they're like, what? They didn't know. They will learn the Father's plans. They will understand his ways as far as it's possible for humans to understand that. And what a day it will be. What a day. It's going to be a wonderful day. A day for a new relationship because of his resurrection and ascension. A day of a new relationship because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. A day when Jesus will no longer speak to them in terms that demanded spiritual insight for them to understand. How many times did we study in the book of John? When Jesus was trying to teach the disciples something with a spiritual meaning, and all they could do was glean it physically. They couldn't make the spiritual connection. That's not going to happen anymore, Jesus is saying. You'll be able to make the spiritual connection because the Spirit will be with you. Think about it. All during this time, all during this time, supper, the walk through Jerusalem, the walk down the valley, all this time, Jesus has been telling them about images. He's been using imagery. He's been using metaphors. He's been using analogies. He's been using all these different things to try to get them to see what he's trying to say. I mean, come on. Washing of their feet. Father's house. Vines and branches. The birth of a newborn. All these things he's trying to tell them to try to make examples of what he's pointing out to. But in that day, in that day, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, those images will become crystal clear. Those images will become crystal clear. It's like they said, I could have had a V8. Yeah, those images are now clear. Those images are now, I understand what he meant. I know what he meant now. The Holy Spirit makes it clear to us. The Holy Spirit makes it clear to us. Jesus is quite clear in his meaning. I will plainly show you the Father. When he said this, did any of them think back to the time when he said, You've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus has clearly shown them the Father. When he said that, did they go, oh, yeah. Did they start to make the connection? I think John did. John probably made it more than anybody. Peter might have been too dull, I'm not sure. But he finally made the connection, I'm sure. But John did, because you read in John's first epistle, the very first verse of chapter 1, that which we've seen that which we've heard, that which we've handled, that's what, that's what was from the beginning. John saw it and knew it. John knew it, and I love that fact that John knew it, and he, and he just revels in the fact that, hey, I was there with him. I held onto his shoulders. I sat with him. We talked side to side. We ate together. We had fellowship together, and I love that. And he said, now I'm going to declare him to you. See, John couldn't do that at first. You are assured. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.